You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Before we start, I need to remind you, you may not need reminding, but I want to remind you anyway, that I am constantly encouraging you, and everyone for that matter, to meditate. I had a conversation a couple of days ago with somebody for the very first time, the first one-to-one I had with this particular client. And I had to explain to her at the outset as to the importance of meditation. You see, there are problems with the way in which mindfulness is taught. It's generally taught as something that is nice to have. And there are problems with the way meditation is taught. It's often taught in a spiritual or religious context. And again, it is often taught as something that is nice to have or something that is relaxing. And indeed, it is relaxing. It relaxes the mind and the body in the same way as yoga, its close cousin, does pretty much the same thing as well as perhaps exercising the body a little or a lot if you're doing power yoga. But the real issue with mindfulness being a nice to have or meditation being a relaxant is that it actually misses the point of the crucial importance of being present in the here and now in your life. Mindfulness is about being present, but the way in which it's taught, it suggests that all you have to do is turn up to the here and now and you'll be happy and you'll be stress-free. Yeah, you might be happy, you might be stress-free, but you'll get very little done and you certainly won't move towards the kind of achievements and experiences that you'd love to have in your life. The more important thing though about meditation and regular meditation is that in meditating you take charge of your own personal evolution that's that might sound like a grand statement it's simply a statement of neuroscientific fact for when we meditate we redevelop the key parts of the brain that enable us be present in our lives focus for real in the here and now know what is going on know how to behave ourselves, know when to do something, know when to do nothing, know when to say the right thing, and know, obviously, never to say the wrong thing, know what is going on, and know what we need to do in the here and now to enable us get to where we want to go. In other words, those achievements and experiences that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the things that you'd really, really love to have in your life. Crucially, Meditation actually restructures the malleable brain. Even people in their 70s meditating for the first time have shown major changes in their neurological makeup as a result of meditating. Very briefly, a group of people meditating for the first time at 75 years of age showed signs of the reversal of neural atrophy as a result of aging. In other words, as we get older, parts of our brain begin to atrophy, they begin to seize up. It's like muscles atrophying if you don't use them. What has been discovered is that meditation doesn't stop the atrophication process, it reverses 
theatrification process. In other words, you can <laughs> meditate yourself younger, at least neurally younger. But more fundamentally for you and me on an ordinary everyday basis in the here and now, meditation changes the shape of the subcortical brain in a way that enables me dance through my day effortlessly, enabling me to do what I need to do and avoid the rest. In other words, meditation is the training that we need to play the game of life. Meditation is the training that enables to develop our mindfulness. Mindfulness is not a nice to have, it is a necessity because if you're not mindful, you're mindless, like most of the people on this planet. And again, that's not a throwaway remark, Research in the United States, Japan, and, and in Italy reckons that about 95, 96, 97% of people are mindless. The fact that you're even listening to this podcast means that you're ahead of the curve on this one. But as I said, right at the outset, I wanted to remind you to ensure that you meditate because there are compelling scientific reasons, life-changing reasons for doing so. I have one particular client. Uh, one of the things I would say about this, by the way, before I get into one particular client, one of the things I would say about this is that I find it, and I've found it for the last 25 years, a challenge to get people to meditate on a regular basis. And the reason for that, and you may have found this yourself as well, is that we often don't immediately see the benefits of our meditation. Now, Recent neuroscientific research shows that the brain begins to change after five days of meditation and not long meditation either. You know, the meditations on my app are only seven or eight minutes long. You don't need to tie yourself and not sit on the floor with your legs wrapped around your ears and sit there for two hours. No, what you need to do is turn yourself on in the time that you have available to you in your busy life to enable you live your busy life more effortlessly. But I've found it a challenge to get people to meditate for six, seven or eight minutes, which is bizarre if you think about it. You know, sit down for eight minutes so that the other uh, 23 hours and 52 minutes of your day will be so much better. Even your sleep will be so much better. The way in which you sail through life will be so much more effortless. And as I said, one of the reasons that people dip their toe rather than dive into this is that they don't see the benefits straight away. There can be a time lag and the time lag could be days, weeks, or in some cases, even months. But the key thing is that once you start meditating, your brain starts changing. So you're actually progressing. You may not just be seeing that progression. Ultimately, the vast majority of people with whom I work end up meditating most days. Some end up meditating every day or almost every day. And I have one particular client who I spoke to uh, yesterday who is on day 90, 90 straight mornings of meditation. And his life is utterly transformed as a result. Interestingly enough, the lives of those around him are being transformed too. Back to my one particular client who, after a period of time, got to the point where he was meditating every day. And in a group session with a number of other people, because there were toe dippers in the room and people who weren't so sure if it was making any difference in their lives, he said to everybody else in the room, he said, it's like putting your trousers on in the morning. 
You wouldn't leave the house without putting your trousers on. You shouldn't leave the house without being mentally prepared for the day ahead. Which leads me to the theme of today's podcast. Because I was talking to another client a couple of years ago, and he said to me, I was talking to him about 11 o'clock in the morning, and he had had a very busy morning. He was up early traveling, and he realized at about 9.30 that morning that he hadn't meditated. And he said to himself, I'll start again tomorrow. And then he said to himself, well, hold on. If I hadn't brushed my teeth this morning, because I was in such a rush and realized at 9.30 that I hadn't brushed my teeth this morning, I wouldn't say to myself, I'll start brushing my teeth again tomorrow morning. I'd do it now. It's never too late. It's never too late to do the right thing. You know, for example, the number of people who have said to me over the years, oh, I'm just having one of those days. Or somebody said to me recently, I'm just having one of those weeks. More fool them. But the number of people, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, who simply kind of have a day where you feel as if you've hit the wall or you're going around in circles or you're making no progress. And you say to yourself, I'm just having one of those days. Conversation I had with a client many, many years ago at this stage, I was talking to them at 5 p.m. in the afternoon, and they said to me, I'm just having one of those days. I said, well, I suppose if you think you're having one of those days, you actually are having one of those days. It's never too late. It's never too late to press the reset button, because in the 30 minutes remaining of your working day or 60 minutes or whatever, you could get a load of things done if you just turned yourself on, if you turned up to your life in the here and now. Spoke to them again at about 6.30 that evening. They'd had a great day. It's never too late. Again, I was talking to a girl on Zoom last week and she said to me, I'm in my late 40s. I'm just wondering, have I wasted the first 48 years of my life? And I said to her, I was talking to another girl in the UK a couple of weeks earlier, and in our opening conversation, she said to me, oh, my God, I think I've wasted the first 59 years of my life. It's never too late. And, you know, it doesn't matter when you start. What matters is that you do start or restart. We always need to remind ourselves, re-dash hyphen mind ourselves literally we need to remind ourselves that right here and now is where my life is and right here and now is where the trajectory of my life to come starts it's never too late to turn up to the here and now in exactly the same way I was on a Facebook live yesterday and in the course of my Facebook live somebody on the call asked me how do you tell teenagers that there's so much more going on in their life than what's going on in their head? And I answered the question in a particular way. I might come back to it in a minute. But the key point I made was it's never too late. It's never too late to set the record straight, to set yourself up in a way that enables you do the right thing so that you are present in the here and now. And being present in the here and now, those around you, including your teenage children, will begin to realize that it's never too late. It's like, you know, many years ago, I sat in a hotel room in Zurich, one-to-one uh, -one with a client, and we'd spent the whole morning 
talking about how we develop our sense of self. Or more to the point, how cognitive psychology explains how we develop our conceptual self. Think about those words for a moment, in particular the first one. Who you think you are is a concept. It's not who you actually are. Who you think you are was learned during the third year of your life, primarily, primarily during the third year of our life, when we learned what developmental psychology calls theory of mind. How we realize that we have our own mind, that it is separate from everybody else's, including those who we were sure loved us unconditionally, and they may or may not. How everybody has their own mind, and how I need to learn to communicate, collaborate, negotiate my way through my day so that there is a meeting of minds. We learn who we think we are during this tumultuous third year of our lives. When we're actually, you know, recovering from the shock of realizing around two years of age, oh God, I'm not the center of the universe. Never realized that before. And oh my God, nobody else ever thought I was the center of the universe either. We learn all this stuff, our conceptual self, during the third year of our lives. So that's what I was talking about with my friend in this hotel room in Zurich a number of years ago. We had our lunch, came back up to the room for our second session, and there were tears. Now, in my work, it's not unusual for there to be tears, which is a good thing. It means that we're actually letting it all hang out, that we're actually beginning to let go. The tears in this case, however, were for her seven-year-old child. She said to me, what have I done? What have I done? What did I do? What did I say to him during the third year of his life? What damage have I inflicted upon him? Will he carry that cross around with him for the rest of his life? And as I said to her, it's never too late. If it were too late, you and I wouldn't be talking now, or at least I wouldn't be talking, and you wouldn't be listening. It is never too late. And there are all kinds of reasons for that. Most fundamentally, you know, developmental psychology for years thought that it was only very young children who had stem cells in their brains. In other words, cells from which completely new neural components can be built. Developmental psychology later on discovered that actually it's the same in young adults. Cognitive psychology and neuroscience has discovered that you and I have stem cells in our brains from which we can create completely new and novel neural pathways. It's never too late. You know, for example, a 48 year old who said to me last week, I wasted the first 48 years of my life. Is it too late? I said to her, I've had somebody start the online program a couple of weeks ago who was 73. It's never too late. And what that means for you on a practical everyday basis is regardless of what is going on in your life today and regardless of how you feel about yourself at this moment in time even and regardless of whether you've had a good day or a bad day or just one of those days, now is the time that a completely new adventure starts if you turn up to the here and now. If you come to your senses, if you actually see, feel, hear, smell and taste where you are in the here and now, unconditionally, free of the judgment of the nonsense in your own head that you did learn during the third year of your life, if you just be, 
in the here and now. And you know how you can do that because that's what I started talking about at the start of today's episode. You need to meditate. Meditation enables you just be. You know, it's Nike who said, just do it. I'm saying, just be. Because when you are, then you just do everything you need to do. Even things that you would consider uncomfortable, things outside your comfort zone, things that you might never have considered doing. It's amazing the number of people I talk to who, after a period of time of developing their ability to be, to just be, to be present, to be wholly present, free of their own baggage. It is amazing the number of people who have said to me, I'm actually surprising myself at some of the things I'm saying and doing. And I'm surprising myself at how easy it is to stroll through life effortlessly and begin to experience my ordinary everyday life as an extraordinary everyday life. And all I have to do is just be. Our being minds are clouded by our thinking minds. If you're using your mind normally, you're looking at reality out through a crud infested set of dirty sunglasses that you've been using, that you've been wearing since you were three years old. You can see nothing. You're walking blind, you're flying blind, and you're stumbling through your day. And it feels pretty much like one day's stumbling is the same as another day is stumbling. And of course, the fact of the matter is that neurologically, using your automatic pilot, that is a fact. Every day is the same. Every day is a groundhog day. The neural lab in UCLA in California has actually sorted that one out. We know that for sure. Take your glasses off. See reality for what it is. Come in to the here and now. Retrain your mind to be. I haven't said train your mind to be, even though I said earlier on that meditation is the training that we need to be fit to play the game of life. But in actual fact, we are retraining ourselves. Our natural state of mind when we were young and impressionable was to simply be. Now, unfortunately, when we were two or three years old, that made us a sitting duck, you know, because your mother might have said to you, Oh, why can't you be more like your sister? Or why can't you be more like your brother? Or, you know, you're stupid or you're lazy or you're this, that, or the other. We were sitting ducks because just being, we took all this stuff on board. And we actually ended up thinking that the crap that we took on board was actually our crap. It's not your crap. It's crap that was thrown at you by other people, including people that loved you because they were operating with their crud-infested sunglasses on too. They literally didn't know what they were saying, and they certainly didn't know what impact they were having on that clean, clear, pristine, childlike mind. That's why my friend in Zurich was crying. Now, she cheered up after she realised, yeah, it's never too late. Back to the question I was asked on Facebook Live yesterday, and indeed the question my friend in Zurich asked. Well, how do I allow the seven-year-old be all that he can be when I might have told him otherwise when he was two or three years old? Or how can I tell a teenager 
that there is so much more to life than the rubbish that's going on in your head? The answer is you don't tell anybody anything. That would be akin to preaching, proselytizing, trying to convert people. You actually get people's backs up when you try to do that. What you need to do is be. You need to simply be. Because when you are, when you simply are present, the difference in how you hold yourself, how you behave yourself, how you interact with those around you, the difference is actually tangible to those around you. They may not know why, they may not be able to put their finger on the difference, but they will realize there is something different. And your presence, your being, will allow them be a little bit more too. It's really interesting. Most of my clients in the years up to the time I launched the online program, which is for anybody and everybody, most of my clients were uh, corporate clients. So therefore, I would meet business leaders and I'd, I'd sit down one to one with them, obviously, in their minds, to enable them be better business leaders, to enable them achieve more, to enable them lead others to the promised land, whatever the promised land meant for them. And after our first conversation, they'd realize, actually, this isn't about business at all. Business is only a game. The real business is the business of living your life to the full. And after a few more conversations, I begin to get the following feedback. This is always amused me, actually. It has amused me. I know why it happens, and I can almost see it coming, but it still amuses me. It entertains me, if I can put it like that. One guy said to me after four conversations, my wife thinks I'm a much nicer person. I didn't ask the details of why she might have thought otherwise beforehand, but suddenly his being had transformed their relationship. Another guy told me that things are going so much better at home with my wife and with my children. Again, a consequence of being. As somebody else, no one of the online program, it's an interesting one because if you look at the online program, and I'll put a link underneath today's podcast so that you can have a look at the online program, or, or at least what people say about the online program. One guy says, I noticed a difference within 10 days, as did those around me. He began to enjoy life in all its facets, as did those around him. Now, I did say earlier on in this conversation today, in this podcast today, that sometimes people don't see the benefits for days, weeks, or months. Here's somebody who's talking about seeing a difference within 10 days. I've actually had people who started meditating on a Thursday seeing a difference by the following Tuesday. I've actually seen one or two people have their eyes opened wide as a result of just sitting down once. There's a guy I talk to still regularly. It's probably about eight years since I met him first. I only met him for one day, a whole day together, one-to-one -one in a golf club in Dublin. And he went home and his wife said to him, what did Willie Horton do to you? The person who left here this morning is not the person who came back. And he still talks about the extent to which that one session 
changed his life. Or actually, actually more to the point, that one meditation, his first ever meditation that we did together and how it changed his life. The key point here is that we change our lives moment to moment because our lives are lived moment to moment. If you don't turn up moment to moment, your life is passing you by. And you'll never have this moment again, by the way. It's gone. And this moment is gone too. Our lives are lived moment to moment. And it doesn't matter what you did or didn't do in previous moments. They've brought you to where you are now, but that doesn't matter either. What matters now is what you do next in this now. Are you going to turn up to your life? Are you going to take responsibility for your own state of mind? Are you going to, as people normally say, control your emotions? Are you going to be? Because when you are, everything changes. And most importantly, your own understanding of you changes. And that is one of the most exciting adventures we can have in our life. No, it, has, it isn't actually. It is the most exciting adventure. The most exciting adventure of your life is your life lived to the full starting now. And one final thing, have a look at the links below this podcast. One is to a free training that I'm doing at the moment, and another is to the online program that I mentioned earlier on. And one final, final point I'll make for today, the online program, The Psychology of Success, is undergoing a major upgrade at the moment. And therefore, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to make a once-in-a-lifetime offer for anybody who wants to jump on that bandwagon before it leaves town. All right, let's put our best foot forward. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com.